here we are. We are back once again for another episode of the GCSAA podcast. I'm Scott Hollister, the editor-in-chief of Golf Course Management Magazine and your podcast tour guide today. Very much appreciate you taking the time to check us out. On this episode, number 29, we're going to shine a little light on what I think of as one of 2020's most overlooked stories, and that is the historic hurricane season that impacted folks all along the Gulf Coast, and specifically the effects that it had on golf and superintendents. And we're gonna do that through a great conversation with Brent LeBlanc. Brent is in charge of maintenance at the Country Club at the Golden Nugget in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And he had the unenviable task of nursing not just one, but two golf courses back to health after they were hit by a pair of major storms that made landfall a little more than a month apart last year, Hurricanes Laura and then Delta. Um, and, and you know, with, with everything that has been gone on with the pandemic over the last year, you know, I, I realized that I had sort of glossed over just what a significant year it was in regard to the natural disasters that affected so many people all over the country from the wildfires out west and the severe storms in the Midwest to the hurricanes that hit Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, and, and of course, Louisiana. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of you are in the same boat. So when I heard about Brent's story, it, it kind of opened my eyes to the fact that there were so many people dealing with so much more than just the coronavirus in 2020. And that, you know, at least in our little corner of the world, we could turn a spotlight on that through this podcast. So so I hope we accomplished that uh, today. It was a good conversation. I learned a ton, and, and I think you're really going to enjoy what has become episode 29 of the GCSA podcast and our chat with Brent LeBlanc. If you haven't already, let me encourage you to subscribe and give us a rating and a review wherever it is you listen to your podcast. It really does help us out when you do that. Uh, all of those same services will also give you access to our archives and the previous 28 episodes that we've done. So, so please check those out if you have a chance. There is a lot of great content to help you uh, get through a workout or walk around the course or whatever you might be doing. So uh, please dig into those at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Google Podcast, or by searching for the uh, podcast over at the GCSAA website. Without further ado, let's do it. Here it is, episode 29 of the GCSAA podcast. Hope you enjoy it. Okay, happy to be joined by Brent LeBlanc. Brent is the golf course superintendent at the Country Club at the Golden Nugget in Lake Charles, Louisiana, a 17-year member of GCSAA and a Class A member to boot. Uh, Brent, how are you today? I'm doing well today. How are you, sir? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for taking the time. I know, uh, you know, you told me before we started recording, you've a little damp down there. So, uh, um, mother, mother nature does not give you many, uh, many breaks, uh, down that part of the country. Does, does she? No, sir. Not at all. Well, um, and that's part of the reason that, uh, we wanted, uh, Brent to join us. Um, I think most listeners will be aware of the golf course maintenance group on Facebook that Gary Grigg oversees. And I happened to see a post from Brent a little while ago um, revealing that uh, he had just reopened his his course down there. Six years old, right? Yes, sir. That's right. So six, a six-year-old course there at the Golden Nugget uh, uh, Casino and Hotel. Um, 
Following uh, damage suffered from the hurricanes that we that unfortunately uh, uh, the Gulf Coast got hit pretty hard by those, and we'll go into that in a little more a little more detail. Um, uh, and it, this post uh, that you made, Brent, was was in early March, and it really got me thinking. As someone, um, I'm a bit of a uh, self-described storm geek. And so I, I do, I am interested in, in that sort of stuff and certainly was, was following the stories as, as the, uh, uh, hurricanes, uh, were, were affecting your, your part of the world. But, uh, to see that in the first part of March, uh, was pretty amazing that it was, that it had taken, um, that long to kind of get everything back in shape and, and ready for a new season, a season of golf down there. Uh, and as, as, as you described, uh, it, it was much. It was much more than than just one getting one course back up and running from um, from a hurricane. In fact, there were two golf courses you worked on and two hurricanes that you had to deal with that. So, I guess to get started, um, uh, Brent, I want to just kind of run through the t the timeline for folks because this is this is a pretty unique situation that you found yourself in. So. Um, as 2020 kind of unveiled, you were at a uh, facility, and I, I, you may have to help me with pronunciation here, Coasati Pines, is that correct? Coasati Pines at Cachata Casino Resort. Okay. And that is, that's located, and, and everyone's getting a free geography lesson here, too, because I want to sort of paint a paint a picture of what, of what we're dealing with here. Um, that facility is in Kinder, Louisiana, and that's what, uh, give or take 30 miles Northeast of Lake Charles, is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Um, so that's where that's where your previous course was. Your current course is right there, uh, very near Lake uh, downtown Lake Charles. Correct, right on the lake. Yes, sir. Okay. So I, I'm getting my geography right so far. Um, for those who don't who don't recall, um, two hurricanes last year, just a little more than a month apart. Uh, made landfall almost exactly where Brent calls home. And um, the first one, Hurricane Laura, was in August, uh, a Category 4 storm, 150-mile-an-hour winds. Uh, it tied uh, for the strongest hurricane to ever make landfall in the continental United States, um, ironically with the storm that uh, also hit Louisiana, but way back in 1856. Um, a little bit, I guess, east of where you are now. Anyway, Hurricane Laura makes landfall at Cameron, Louisiana. Then on the first part of October, October 9th, Hurricane Delta, a Cat 2 storm, makes landfill near the little town called Creole, Louisiana. Now, Cameron and Creole are about 20 miles apart. And if you picked the midpoint between those two and went due north, you'd pretty much run into Lake Charles in your facility. Is that Am I getting that about right, Brent? Yes, sir. And there's not much tree line between us. It's all marshland and a few homes. Uh, there's nothing to block the water or the wind. That's right. So both of these storms pretty much plowed directly up the same path, the same area, and it certainly created an interesting uh, situation um, for Brent. And so, Brent, to start, let, let's kind of set the stage. Um, prior to these storms impacting your life, obviously, uh, the pandemic had a big role. So from where you were, um, what was the Im impact of the pandemic? What sort of restrictions or closures did you face in Louis Louisiana, if, if any at all? Well, March 16th of 2020, the state of Louisiana shut down all casinos. 
operations. So we furloughed all employees for at least a month, uh, most of them longer than that, and some still haven't come back to work yet. We're still running wow. about 50, 60% um, employment. Okay. You know, business down here. Um, when we furloughed everybody, they kept myself and my assistant on staff uh, to keep the golf course mowed. And I had seven employees, even though they were furloughed, came five days a week and helped us mow, verify, verticut, keep the golf course in pristine condition, considering uh, they put in their hard work and sweat and tears into it. They didn't want to see it go. So right. they came in seven to one, five days a week and, and mowed. And we kept the facility going until we reopened on May 1st. So on May 1st, you reopened. Um, and... So obviously, much of what we've done in the last year on this podcast and the magazine, everything else, has really been couched in 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 the pandemic and how it impacted things. But you guys also um, have a have a fun hurricane season to to deal with. How long um, have are, are you a lifelong Louisianan, or um, how long have you had to deal? Born and raised. Born and raised, and I lived in Mississippi for a while when I first got in the golf business. So. So, so these kind of storms, they've, they've just been a fact of life for you, your entire career, correct? Yes. All right. Well, well the season that, that, that was in 2020, to, to add insult to injury with the, uh, the pandemic and everything, was, was one for the record books. Um, 30 named storms um, last hurricane season, the most in history. The previous high was 28 in 2005. There were 12 storms that made landfall the most in history. The previous high was nine way back in 1916. And lucky you in Louisiana, five of those named storms uh, made landfall in your great state. Uh, tropical storms Cristobal, Marco, Hurricane Laura, Hurricane Delta, and then Hurricane Zeta to end it all off appropriately. And we've, we've sort of given everyone the geography lesson. Um, and when these storms hit, but let, let's just, we'll start with, uh, with hurricane Laura. When, when storms are predicted in uh, like a hurricane Laura and you're in charge of a golf course, what sort of procedures do you go through as a superintendent with your team? Well, we've always had a plan put together pre pre hurricane season. Uh, first thing is make sure staff has a place to go. Uh, uh, make sure everybody else has a plan because without my staff, I have nothing when it all comes back to cleaning up. Uh, second was, I mean, we make sure all fuel tanks are topped off. Chainsaws are ready and running, uh, put away to where we can get to them. Even in case the building goes, we can still get to it. All equipment's put in the building. Irrigation boxes that have a tendency to flood are taken apart. All the power's turned off the boxes, pump house, cart barns all unplugged, just in case of a lightning strike or a flood there. Um, Board everything up, cover up the computers, back everything up, take what you need with you. Irrigation Central always comes with me. Um, and get out of Dodge until you get the all clear to come back. How, how difficult is it for, for you and, I, and, and even your team members? Because not only do you have this, you know, 100-acre piece of property that you have to prepare for an oncoming, uh, oncoming storm, but you also have your, your, your home life, your family, your home, uh, your personal stuff. Um, how difficult is it to balance all that as you're preparing for, for something like a hurricane to make landfall? It, it gets to be pretty, pretty difficult because – 
these these storms have a tendency to turn all, all the time at the last minute. So you right. kind of watch and waiting for it to make that easterly turn away from you or westerly turn and, and hoping it doesn't, well, hoping it does turn. That way you don't have to do all the prep work to your home where you're boarding up, picking up furniture off the floor. I mean, just, you know, trying to get enough clothes and stuff and all the important pictures of your children, insurance and information and finding a place to, to evacuate to. Yeah, and, and I mean, in, in addition, there's there's the there's the mental toll too. I don't know, um, you know, there's there's children involved, things like that. I mean, that's got to be a pretty anxious uh, an anxious time for uh, for all involved. Exactly where did you guys did you guys ride it out there? Did you did or did you head north? I rode out Hurricane Laura at Kashada Casino Resort. Um, my kids live with their mom. They went east about. 250 miles east and stayed with uh, my, my mother-in-law and they were fine. They were safe. Um, three days after the storm, I went to visit them and get supplies and come back because uh, there was no no way to get any kind of supplies. And I didn't really get enough uh, pre-hurricane because I was too busy getting everything ready. But uh, no, we rode it out at the casino hotel. Um, it wasn't fun. Uh, I don't want to do it again, but it was more <laughs> So when when you finally when you finally emerged at the golf course, what, you, what was what was the scene like? What were the, what were the major impacts that you that you knew? Man, this is this is gonna this is gonna take some doing to get cleaned up and back back to where it's a, in playable shape. Well, about I woke up. Well, I didn't really sleep much, but I got out got out about six thirty a.m. Uh, I had taken my John Deere Gator to the casino. I'd locked my truck up in the shop and. Um, Started riding down. It was about, the winds were still in the 60s, still blowing pretty good. I uh, got onto the golf course. It was right there on property, and it was about 150 trees down, and the water was up pretty high. Even though we had drained all the lakes prior to the storm, uh, water was up. Um, of course, no power, and just start taking pictures. First thing is take pictures for insurance. Um, I got with the IT department. They have a drone. We flew the property because it's the easiest way to gather information for insurance. Uh, and then start walking buildings and, and getting all of those pictures inside that you can't catch with a drone. Um, and then start clearing, clearing a path to the shop, get a path for the crew to get to the shop and start texting. That's the only thing that seems to work. Once the cell towers go down, you can text and start checking on, on staff. Make sure they're okay. They don't need anything. Um, and start making up a plan to have people come back if they can. And start up and clean up. Did you? Uh, did you start getting with vendors? Yeah, right. Yeah, because their their support is obviously going to be crucial to to help you do that. Um, what was the scene like at your at your home? Did you? I'm sure you pretty quickly made a at least a run there to see how it had it weathered the storm. Did it? Did it fare okay? It it did. I was lucky enough. Um, I had a lot of roof damage, but very little leakage. Uh, we were able to get it tarped pretty quickly. Uh, and stop that, and then um, just start picking up the fence panels in the shed, the stuff that flies around, uh, pieces of roof from other people's homes, um, and start helping neighbors. I, the day of the storm, it hit overnight on a Wednesday night, the 26th, 27th. I got home about 4 o'clock on the 27th to, to check on the home and check on some homes of some friends, uh, actually fellow superintendents in their courses, um, and it, it wasn't pretty. It was it seemed like there was a lot of tornadoes mixed in uh, with this storm. 
and did an awful damage. And, and that is something uh, here in the Midwest. We're obviously uh, familiar with that part of, of, of severe weather. Uh, we, we don't see many. Uh, we, get a, we get a few remnants uh, of some of the storms you guys will see that will, will meander up here, a simple, simple rainfall. But, um, but yeah, August 27th was the official landfall. Um, as I mentioned, a Cat 4 storm, um, one of the strongest, uh, strongest in, in history. Um, how long how long before you felt like you had a, a good handle on cleanup, uh, mainly at the course, but both, you know, personally and, and professionally? How long before you went, okay, we have a plan in place, things are progressing, um, I'm feeling okay about where we're at? It was about three days. Um, I was lucky enough that uh, one of my vendors was able to bring me a grappling bucket for a skid steer. Okay. And that made the work of everything. Um we were able to get power with a generator to the pump and to the irrigation computer and to the boxes. And we were open in nine days. Wow. We shot open in nine days. I mean, we still had a lot of cleanup to do, um, but we were open for play. We were, you know, fairways and tees and greens were cleared. Uh, it's a 400 acre property. So we were able to hide a lot of trees off into the woods. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it's push it off and worry about it later. So that's amazing. Did, did were, were there many guests at that point? Um, I'm sure there were probably locals that were looking for a little uh, uh, something to take their mind off of everything else. But what was your uh, what was the uh, the traffic like at that point? Traffic got to be crazy because uh, a lot of it was power line workers and people from Texas that just wanted the game because we're we're three hours from Houston. So okay. it was amazing the people that were going to willing to drive through that mess to go to the casino just to gamble wow even even during the covid protocols they were just wanting to come gamble well there's the hotel wasn't open because we still didn't have enough uh, uh we had too much damage right right well there's a pent-up demand for lots of stuff we've seen it obviously in golf all across the country and i'm sure those casinos have, have seen the same uh the same when they have closed for a period of time and People need to get their fix. So, uh, so in the midst of in the midst of all this, or probably, and, and you can kind of clarify me on the on the the timing of this. But you started a, a, to uh, look into another position, the one you currently have at, at Golden uh, at Golden Nugget. How how did that all come about? When did it come about? And were there additional challenges in going through a, a process like that, considering the storm? Obviously, there, I'm sure there were because of because of COVID. But um, what was that process like, and, and when did it sort of begin? Well, I mean, it really started 2016. I was here, or 2015. I was part of the grow-in here at Golden Nugget. I was the assistant superintendent. I was in sales. Our company decided that they would laid us all off, and he was one of my best customers. So I went to work for the super, the former superintendent, and. Um, he called me after the storm. We were checking on each other the whole night. And he, his wife and children evacuated to San Antonio. And when he went to go check on them, life was so much nicer. The kids had a good school. He just decided to relocate. He didn't want to be without his family. And I understand that wholeheartedly. Certainly. So as soon as he put in his notice, uh, his boss, who we all work together here during Grow and Construction, called me up and says, look, are you willing to come over here? Let's, can we talk? So I came and talked to him. I let Kashada know they made an offer. They didn't really want to talk. So 
uh, I went from driving five uh, from driving an hour to five minutes. So <laughs> I made the move. <laughs> and as someone who, in normal times, commutes to uh, to the uh, GCSA headquarters, I can totally sympathize with that. And, uh, Five minutes is way better than it, way better than an hour. So, um, you're going through all you're going through all this. You've just you know you've gotten cleaned up from one storm, and wow, here comes here comes another one, and, and it's uh, Hurricane Delta. And I want to get the timing of this right because it, it's it's pretty pretty uncanny. Um, you accepted the job at, at Golden Nugget officially on October seventh, and at that point, everything on TV must have been all about Hurricane uh, Delta. Because it hit on October 9th, two days later. Um, had you made the move? Were you already officially down there at, at Lake Charles, um, or were you kind of pivoting between the two as as those those things were happening? I had signed all my paperwork, accepting the position on the seventh, and then put in a two week notice at Cachada. Um They offered for me to come stay at the Golden Nugget, but I had to start immediately on the ninth to come stay in the hotel here. Uh, I didn't want any part of it. I left for two days, um, came back, uh, checked on both facilities and officially started here. I want to say it was October 19th, 20th, 20th. Okay. Uh, no, October 17th. It was, I came and started officially started here at the nugget, picking things up. And then I worked three days a week. And after I'd get off at the nugget, I would drive to Cachada and, keep that facility moving forward because we had hurricane Delta had dropped 20 inches of rain and flooded us for four days. Uh, Got that cleaned up. Um, Got the bunker crews in to clean up the bunkers because we had the Notabagay Junior National Championship November 17th through the 19th. And um, they were nervous that we weren't going to get it done, but we we managed to to make it and the golf course played very well. but I worked double duty for four weeks. Um, and then here at the, the Nugget, it was still, the debris was picked up for the most part. It was all piled up here at the shop and giant piles, but it just grinded it um, over right. trees here. Wow. Um, a lot of water damage, irrigation uh, was a Toro two wire system, decoder system that it sat in salt water. Um, so we decided, or it was decided before I got here to change that over to a rainbird system, um, TFU system. Um, they had already contracted the bunkers to be done, which is two acres of formal bunkers, 13 acres of native bunkers. Um, asphalt car pass that needed to be repaired due to all the damage from the trees and the, the cleanup crews. Um, we had number 10 T's had to be completely rebuilt because it was a, it was inside most of the tree line and was destroyed uh, around the putting green was destroyed. And so we had 96,000 square foot of sod had to be reinstalled after the rebuilt. Wow. And the pump house was crushed, had to get it fixed. Um, and we're still actually working on irrigation a little bit. We, we have 50 heads we have to pull wire to that had some severe damage. So that's hundred heads were fixed. Well, well, that's that's pretty amazing. I, um, before the storm, had you had you talked to Kashada about saying, "Hey, I, I'm I'm happy to uh, assist." Was what because officially you were a Golden Nugget employee at that point. Um, uh, how did that How did that come to be? That you was it just something you felt obligated that to help 
both both places get up and running? Um, and was there any difficulty with you? I know that that had to be a grind uh, for a month straight to work to get two properties and try and nurse them back to health. But how did that all come to be? I just I sat down with, with uh, my director of golf, Shada, and uh, I was like, "Look, I will help y'all find my replacement and also get you through this tournament." And um, just it's going to be three days a week instead of instead of five or seven uh, because I have I'm obligated to put this property back together to Golden Nugget also, and they were happy to have it. Um, I had a really long time assistant at Kashada that I was able to lean on and communicate with throughout the day, and um, and he and I would have the property when I get there after lunch, and I'd stay until the evening whether I was spraying or just cleaning up or making notes. Whatever, whatever needed to be done, I was getting it done. Um, but we have a good relationship. I mean, that was my second stint working at Cachada. Right. I worked there for eight years prior, and they brought me back. So we had a good working relationship. Man, but that, that, that's, that's great. So you would start uh, – did you start your days at, at Golden Nugget and then then hit Cachada? Maybe walk us through what, what was a day in the life like for you uh, at, at that point? I would go to the Golden Nugget at 5.30 uh, a.m. and I'd work until noon. And then I would drive an hour and work from 1 to 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock at, uh, at Kishada and then drive home. That's amazing. Uh, what was uh, – I'm sure there was a – I'm sure there – you had to have a pretty understanding uh, uh, wife and family uh, at home. Um what was their time like like during all of this while it was all going on? Well, I mean, I'm a, door, a divorced father of three. I'd bring a kid sometimes. Uh, wow. They were right. um, and if I really was busy, I'd let them fish in Kishana and, <laughs> and go do what I had to do. Or they would, you know, I'd bring their, their computers and they would watch Netflix or whatever it was while I went and did work. But they, a lot of times they were right there with me, spending time with me on the golf course. That's awesome. I mean, that's, yeah, that's get an idea of what, of what, uh, what their father really does in, in, in situations like that. So, um, what was, as I mentioned, you, you, you posted something to the, the, the Facebook group that, uh, and I'm saying early March here, uh, as we record this, we're kind of the latter part of March. Um, what was it like to actually see somebody, some, a paying customer teeing it up and, and, and playing around after all that went into getting that place up and running after after the two storms. What did that mean to you? Uh, it was just a huge relief, uh, just success that we were able to accomplish it. Um, but the stress completely went off my shoulders, and, yeah. and it, was, it was like we, we finally got here. Uh, I even called the former superintendent and sent him a video of the first guy to take off. He, oh, wow. He was happy to, uh, you know, because this was his baby six years. So, um, you know, he left for personal reasons, uh, nothing other than that. And, you know, he and I are friends, but yeah, it was a huge relief. The crew was happy to see people out there because uh, it made construction and renovation was over. You know, all the contractors were finally out of there, and it was some normalcy, I guess you can say. Back to doing setup and raking bunkers. Yeah, do you, do you, does, you, does your team feel like they've settled in now? Uh, and and it's, okay, this is some semblance of, of, of normalcy now. Yes, very much so. I'm sure that's, I'm sure that is, that's greatly appreciated. So, um, you, you, I asked you earlier, you said you're a lifelong, um, 
resident of that part of the world. So these sorts of storms are not are not are, are just a part of your life. Uh, I'm a lifelong Kansan, so when people find out about that, I'm they always uh, number one they ask me about the Wizard of Oz, but uh, <laughs> then then they ask about about what's it like about tornadoes, and I just sort of shrug my shoulders and say, well, it is what it is. It's you know, people in California worry about earthquakes and now wildfires. Um, people here have to keep an eye on the sky for tornadoes. And down your way, you, you also get your tornadoes, but you also get um, um, hurricanes. So it, we're, we're approaching, and we've got several months, obviously, but there'll be a whole other hurricane season uh, coming. Um, does, does that create any extra anxiety for you, knowing what you went through last year in particular? But... Um, how how do you how do yourself how do other golf course managers in that part of the world kind of deal with that any anxiety that might come from wow you know one minute this this whole place everything I put all the work we put in could just be gone. Uh, I, I spend time with my family. I just focus on family and, and making sure my kids don't feel that kind of stress. Uh, right. It's kind of hard to explain. I mean, this year is going to definitely be a lot of anxiety. When you come in off of two major storms, even like 2005, Katrina hit the east end of the state and I had family there because that's where I'm from. Uh, and then a month later, Henry came and hit us. And, um, and same thing, child and I put it back together. Um, that next year, every single that pops up, in the, you, you don't even want to watch the news anymore. It's almost scary. Yeah. Watch the other um, You know, and then there's the joke that, that you know, the, the guy from the channel, if he shows up in your town, you're done. Get you out of there. <laughs> you know, once he shows up, it's time to go. Um, uh, that's just, you know, people jump around here and they're going to get taxes because it's good to see him come through it. Rich Cant- uh, Cantori? Yeah, Jim Cantori, yeah. You know, Jim Cantor, yeah, you know, we claim him on tax here. <laughs> Make him pay property tax down there. But no, I, I, I totally, uh, we can sympathize with that. And uh, I've told this, I've told the story before, but uh, um, I'm not sure on the podcast, but some folks that we've, you know, we had a, uh, we had a, a, a series of afternoon, evening storms rolling in, and I was working here at headquarters in Lawrence. And my home is in the Kansas City suburb of Olathe, which is about 40 minutes away. And um, I had gotten absorbed in, in something. I knew the storms were coming. I wanted to leave a little bit early just to just to get ahead of them and knew the timing. And But I got wrapped up in something. It was probably Twitter or something stupid like that. But um, I looked out the window, and it was, you know, 5.05, and it was dark as night. And I went, uh-oh. And I gather my things real quick, hopped in the car, hit the road. And as I pull onto the highway to, to head home, what's directly in front of me, but one of those storm chaser tanks that they use to, and if you've ever watched the storm chaser shows on discovery or whatever, this it was one of these things. And then it's rolling down the highway, the same direction I'm going. And I'm like, Oh boy, I've made a terrible error. And it pulled off at the next exit in the end not more than 20 minutes later, a tornado went through that town. So I know exactly what you're talking about when you see a Jim Cantori type or someone like that roll into town. So, um, but you, you know, I, I, I wanted to touch on this too, before, before I let you go, Brandon, you've been very gracious with your time today and I, and I really do appreciate it. Um, and when I read your post, what it got me thinking of was like, wow, 
I hadn't thought about those, you know, and again, I'm in the Midwest, so it, it, it didn't hit, it, it, it hit only close to home because I, I, I'm interested in those things and follow them. But it, it made me go, wow, I hadn't thought about those storms in a while and everything that the people uh, in your part of the country had to go through in that six, eight week span. And I know it obviously it lasted much, much, much longer. Um was there ever a sense amid everything that was going on with the pandemic and there, you know, out, there were wildfires out west and uh, the derecho in Iowa caused lots of damage and took some. Um, but how did how did your fellow residents and, and yourself and your your staff get through that period? Because it certainly, I'm I'm sure I'm not the first one to say, wow, I I didn't I hadn't thought about those storms, but. God, it was such a part of your life for so so long. Um, for the region, what, what what was that like, and and how have they bounced back so far? Um, more than anything, it was a huge sense of community. A lot of small communities getting together, everybody helping each other. Whether it was church groups or or, or just whole regions um, helping each other, we did have a lot of. Assistance from Texas, Mississippi, some groups out of Arkansas, a lot of people coming down cooking, um, washing clothes for people, just bringing a lot of water and food down. Um, not nearly that much as I've seen, like after Hurricane Harvey, I was assisting over there in the Houston area, uh, or even after Katrina and Rita. But we, we did feel a little bit forgotten um, by the news, I guess. But uh, like you said, there was a lot of other things going on. And we didn't have power to see it any, but we really didn't know. <laughs> um, but you just didn't see a lot of helping, but there were some. And the hardest part is the communication piece to find out where these groups are setting up to be able to go get a hot meal or um, use a satellite phone to call family or whatever it may be. Um, but the communities came together. You know, my staff, of course, the, the 15 of us, they were like family. We took care of each other. And then the, the, the Native American tribe that I worked for took care of all of us and made sure that the employees and the tribal members were all taken care of. And um, you know, we work our way out, you know, take care of home and then work your way out from there. Um, and even now, there's still, you ride around town, there's still a lot of damage even Cameron, Cameron Harris, I think their power grid is still running on generator at this point. Wow. It's still not completely rebuilt. Um, but it, it's coming up together. And of course, like you said, we have another season right around the corner. We're three, four months away, and uh, people are getting, we're getting a little nervous and anxious, like you said. But everybody pulled together and helps their neighbor, whether you know them or not, and gets it done. Yeah, and I and I think we all, in one way or another, have have experienced uh, situations like that in, in our own communities. And and in times such as these, when there's a lot of division, and obviously it's been a tough year, eighteen months now. Um, there are always great stories like that, and um, that's always great great to hear that that everyone can get behind each other, support each other, help each other out. And I guess it makes you feel good despite having to go through all the trauma of what you all went through down there. Uh, it, uh, it, it does make you, make you feel good a little bit better about where we are, where we are as a society. So, well, Brent, listen, I, I really do appreciate the time. I hope this, uh, hope our little podcast will 
maybe open some eyes, like, like my own eyes were open when I saw when I saw your post and and just learned a little bit about it. Um, uh, awesome work down there. Um, you know, our hats off to you and your crew at, at both at both facilities, and and here's hoping for a. A, a very quiet, uneventful uh, hurricane season 2021. Thank you. You're you're certainly welcome. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Well, another episode of the GCSAA podcast is in the books. Hope you enjoyed uh, that conversation with Brent LeBlanc and got a little better perspective about everything that folks along the Gulf Coast endured uh, during last year's hurricane season and what that all meant or golf course superintendents like Brent. Quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the GCSAA podcast wherever it is you listen to your podcast. And also, uh, give our archives a look on all those same services. All 28 of our previous episodes are available there, including one of our most recent ones that featured GCSAA's 85th president, Mr. Mark Jordan, CGCS. And with that, we are done. My thanks again to Brent LeBlanc, to the master of the mixer. I don't know if he's officially got that nickname yet or not. I keep using it. But, and that's our engineer, Evan Bissell. Uh, thanks to everyone at Bear for their continued support of the podcast as our presenting partners. For the nine members of the GCSA Board of Directors, to all my colleagues and coworkers at GCSAA headquarters in lovely Lawrence, Kansas. And of course, my thanks to you for listening. We will be back very soon with another episode. But until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll catch up again real soon on the next episode of the GCSAA podcast.